0: But do I qualify that that promise is true for me as well? Yes, God, I believe that you have good plans for me, plans to prosper me and give me a future and a hope. But can you use me the way that I am right now? So we know the promises of God, but very often we talk ourselves out of it because we know the person that we are. We know the kind of person that we are and the flaws and the shortcomings that we still have in our life. So for us to say, God, your word is true and it applies to my life today, like you said it to wherever it was mentioned in the Bible, take the promises of God and say, God, you can work that in my life. And I am aware that times are tough, times are uncertain, times are different than they were two years ago. Come on, would you have ever thought two years ago, how how the world is today? Probably not. Just looking at you with all your face masks on, it is different. So much space in between you guys, face mask on. The world is a different place now, today, than it was two years ago. But God's promises still are there for us. God's promises are still true for us today even though in the times that we are living in. Amen. I was growing up in Germany. I was about five years old. So we uh, grew up in the countryside. So we would love to go on our bicycles and just go out. And of course my parents, Loved if we went out on our bicycle because then the house was nice, quiet. (laughs) Because we were three boys, all one year apart. Plus my cousins right next door, uh, also three girls, one boy. Uh, The other house just next to us on the other side, also my cousins, they had two boys and two girls. So all cousins always together, so we would go outside and ride our bicycles So now, behind our house, there is a slope going down the mountain and at the end of the slope, down in the valley, is a 90-degree turn on the dirt road. So it's not a paved road, it's a dirt road. So we would drive down, go very fast, then hit our brakes on the bicycle, the back one, and push a little bit at the back, and then we would swerve out, and then we would go around the corner. It was fun. The problem was, there was a bush and trees covering your view what was around the corner. So one of the days I went down, my cousin went first, then it was my turn, so I went down. I came around the corner, but my cousin was right there on his bicycle, right around the corner. So there was no way for me to avoid him, so we collided. I flew over my handlebar, I hit the floor with my mouth first all my milk teeth fell out, out. I was bleeding, I could feel the stones and the gravel in my mouth and there was blood dripping down my mouth. So I ran home and of course my mother got the shock of her life. We went right away to the doctors, they sent me to the dentist, they had to clean up my mouth and the whole long story short is I lost all my milk teeth. And I had a scar right here on my chin, covering by this luscious beard. So if I wouldn't have the beard, you could see the scar on my chin. See, a situation like this scarred me. But now I had to make a decision. Do I get back on my bicycle and ride with my brothers and my cousins? Or do I stay home where it's safe and quiet? And of course, I went with my cousins and my brothers back on the bicycle. But the thing is, very often life throws things at us that hurt us. We might even get scarred in the process. We might even come to a place where things are outside of our control. Life throws things at us that we think is unfair, it is not good, and I don't even know what the future holds. But the good news is, is if we deal with that correctly, God can use those situations to propel us into a good future. Amen? I believe that with our heart. So if life has thrown you uh, uh, what, something that you don't understand, if life has thrown you something that you're struggling with, right now, this morning, I want you to know that there is a hope. And that's why this morning we are talking about choose hope. Choose hope. And the scripture that we're going to go into, the main verse, is found in Isaiah 40, verse 30 and 31. Isaiah 40, 30 and 31. Even youth grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But, this is the conjunction, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength they will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Young men wait, go tired and weary. And young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. Like I said, very often life throws something at us that can cause us to be tired and weary. But, the conjunction, if we put our hope in God, in the Lord, in Jesus Christ, we can renew our strength. So I want you to know, if we put our hope in God, whatever comes our way doesn't have to keep us held back. We can break out of that situation. We can overcome what is coming against us and we can renew our strength and go on. And even if it's just one more day. Sometimes the thing that we are struggling with, you have to take it one day at a time. True or not? You don't have faith to believe God for a great and awesome future, but you can trust God to sustain you one more day. Take it one day at a time. Say, God, today I put my hope in you. I put my trust in you that you can do and sustain me just this one more day. And we survive day by day. Amen? But you know what? The first thing that we want to look into is actually the story of Hannah in the Bible found in 1 Samuel chapter 1. To illustrate the point that we can put Our hope in God is found, of course, in 1 Samuel chapter 1. And the first thing that we can learn from Hannah, well, just to summarize, I assume that most of you know the story of Hannah. But maybe for the benefit of those who are not familiar with the story, is 1 Samuel chapter 1 starts out with a family. There's Elkanah, the husband. Then there is, he has two wives. Ooh, juicy. Now I got all your attention, right? Two wives. He had two wives, uh, Penina and Hannah. Penina had children. Hannah had none. But it just so happened that Elkanah, he read he really loved Hannah the most. But she could not have had any children. So now Penina had children. So she would tease Hannah to the point that Hannah would get so upset that she would go to her room, cry, and refuse to eat. And then it so happened that every year they went up for the sacrifice in the temple. And then it was time for them to go up again. So Hannah went into the temple and she poured her heart out to God. And she prayed before the altar and the the priest comes, Eli comes and sees her praying. But she was praying very softly. So he thought that she was drunk and said, woman, get out of the temple. You are drunk. She said, no, no, no. I am grieving I am pouring my heart out before God because I have no children. And then Eli said, may God be merciful on you and give you the desire of your heart. And then she went back, long story short, she got pregnant and she had Samuel, which she dedicated unto the Lord. That is basically, in a nutshell, the story that we're going to talk about today. But she was at a point where she had to decide, do I give up hope? Or do I hold on just a little bit longer? She was teased by her adversary, by the other woman, to the point that she said, I don't know if this is ever going to happen. But the first thing that we can learn from Hannah is is that we can grieve, but we have to grieve with hope. Grieve with hope. Now, the the thing that we can learn really is, is that it is okay not to be okay it's okay if you feel defeated it's okay if you feel weary and tired it's okay if you feel like i don't know if i can go on it's okay for you to feel depressed it's okay for you to feel like i don't know what the future holds it's okay but we have to deal with that in a good way so how did Hannah deal with her grief Because it says that she went in, in 1 Samuel 1, 7. This went on year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her until she wept and she would not eat. So she was in a time of grief. But how did she deal with it? She went to the house of of the Lord and she poured out her heart before God. Sometimes the worst thing that we can do is, is with our grief, go and tell everyone around us. But also at the same time, the worst thing that we can do is to hide our grief and grief by ourselves. Okay, Pastor, but what are you saying? I am saying find someone that you can trust. Someone who has a good interest for you at heart. Share with them. Ask them to pray with you. That is what church is all about. That if you feel weak, if you feel weary, that you have someone who can stand with you. Someone who can pray with you. Someone who can become your strength in a time where you feel weak. But we have to grieve with hope. And like I said, it's okay to grieve. It's okay not to be okay. And it is okay to go and ask for help. Come on. That is usually what we are struggling with. We can accept what is going wrong in our life. We can even accept the way that we feel. But it is very hard to go and ask someone to stand with you. To ask someone because then you open yourself up. You become vulnerable to another person. But at the same time accountable of how you deal with the grief that is going on in your life. But we have to deal with grief and it is okay not to be okay. But we have at the end of the day to come to God and say, God, you are my hope. Even if I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow or next week or next year. But I know that you are a good God, that you have good plans for me. And that I can trust you to carry me through this time that I don't understand right now. God is on our side. God is with us. We cannot control if we are tired, weary, hurt, mistreated. But we can control how we deal with it. Come on. Very often you cannot control if somebody will hurt you or not. I mean, sometimes we make a stupid comment and then uh, something comes back at us. But very often it is not even in our control. The boss asks you to come into the office starts to cuss you out complain complain even maybe for something that is not even your fault sometimes things are outside of our control but we know that God is by our side amen and I want you to know God is with you every step of the way amen so it is okay to grieve Ecclesiastes 3 verse 4 says, there is a time to weep and a time to laugh. There is a time to mourn and a time to dance. There is a time for everything. So even the Bible says there is a time where you will grieve. A time where things will not go according to your plan. There will be times where things uh, go totally the opposite direction that what you would like them to go. Even the Bible says so, but it's okay. First Thessalonians 4 verse 13 says, Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who are in death, so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. So there will be times where we will grieve. And then Paul goes on to say, now they are talking about grief as in you lost a loved one. Somebody has passed on and now you're grieving for them. But there is the thing, we don't grieve like anybody else. We can grieve, but we can grieve with hope. That we know that this is just temporary. That we know that we are going through these difficult things, but that God is by our side. And that very often can change our entire perspective. Very often we cannot change the circumstances, at least not right now, but just knowing that God is with us can make all of the difference. So when we grieve, we can grieve with hope, knowing that God is with us and that God wants to be out by our side. Amen. So we do grieve, but we grieve with hope, knowing that God has a good plan for us. Amen. And that somehow, Romans 8, 28, that he will work these things that are going on right now for our good. Now that is a tough, tough scripture if you're going through something difficult. It's nice to hear if everything is going well. Yes, God will work all these things for good. But it's very hard to believe that if you're going through a miserable time in your life. To a season that you don't understand but it is nevertheless true. God can work all things that are going on in our life and work them for good. Amen. The second thing that we can learn from the story is, is that we have to choose what we speak. We have to choose what we speak. First Samuel 1, 17, 18, Eli answered, Go in peace and may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked for. She said, May your servant find favor in your eyes. Then she went on her way, ate something, and her face was no longer downcast. She found hope just by pouring out her heart before God. Then Eli spoke to her. See, Eli never prophesied and said, God says you will have a son. He only said, may God grant you what you wish for. He never said, this says the Lord, by next year you shall have a son. He never prophesied or gave her total assurance that she will get what she wants. He only said, may God give you what you wish for. So there was in that sense, not much of an assurance given. Yet she was able to find hope just knowing that God is by her side. So she started, I'm not sure exactly what she said when she went home or the the days and the weeks after that. But I would like to hope that her, her confession started to change. Now again, it's not written in the Bible. But I would like to think that from now on she started to change the way that she was processing. That she started to change the way that she would speak. Just knowing that, you know what, maybe God will give me a child. You know what, maybe it is not hopeless. Maybe God will do something on my behalf. You know what, what if God answers my prayer? Maybe she found hope and the way that she would speak would start to change. We have to start to change the way that we speak. Luke 6 verse 45 says, A good man brings forth good Out of the good stored up in his heart. An evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Our mouth will speak of what is inside of our heart. We have to change the way that we speak. But you might say, but pastor, shouldn't it be the other way around? Shouldn't God change my heart first and then the words in my mouth will start to change. True? But I believe it is our responsibility to start to change the way that we speak so that our feelings will start to change. I grew up as a teenager in the 90s. That gives you an idea how old I am. In the 90s, I was a teenager. So that was when the charismatic movement was like sweeping all over Europe as well. So we were a charismatic church. And we would have uh, praise sessions and Friday night worship as services and we would speak in tongues and we would dance and we would confess. That was a big thing, right? We would confess what we would like to see happening in our life, in the, in the life of the people around us, of our friends, over the city that we live in. We like to confess and we would confess good things because we, we said, you know what, if we confess it, it will start to happen. It will manifest. And I believe there is a truth to it. What we will speak will determine of what will be going on inside of us. So if we start to control our tongues, because what does the Bible say about our tongue? The, the, the mouth, the tongue is powerful. You can either way speak life or death. You can either way bless or curse. But also at the same time, I believe a lot of it is in, the, in between, right, of our life. If you're honest, you don't always speak life into everyone. But at the same time, you don't speak death and curse about other people. A lot is somewhere in between. But we have to learn to speak good things. Good things. So that we can start to see a change in our life. Ever heard about the law of attraction? Where people say you have to confess, you have to believe, and then the universe will turn and be in your favor. Now, of course, we don't believe it to that extent, but I do believe there is something powerful about your confession. If you start to speak good things, your entire outlook on life will change. If you start to speak positive things, the entire way that you approach life will be a lot more positive. Because I can guarantee you, if you go around looking for negative things, you will find negative things. If you go looking into your partner's life, your, uh, your husband or your wife, for negative things, you will find plenty. <laughs> of course, not me. Besides me. You will find things if you go looking for them. True or not? But the same is true if you go look for good things. You will find good things. And if we start to appreciate the good, the entire, our entire outlook... Our entire life can change. So I believe we have to start to speak good things of our life. Grief is a way that we honor our past. But if we speak positive things, is how we honor God in our present, believing for a good tomorrow. Grief is honoring our past. If you grieve for a loved one that you have lost... By grieving, you are honoring the past and the good memories that you had with that person. But if we grieve with hope, hope is what gives honor to God, believing that there will be a good tomorrow. So it is okay to grieve, but we have to start to change the way that we speak, even in times when we grieve. Not only talking about if you lost a loved one's, Any situation in your life that goes uh, against to what you have planned could be a time where you grieve. But we have to start to speak good things. Things that make way for God to really do something in our life. Amen. The third thing that we can learn is we have to choose to believe in God's goodness. We have to choose to believe in God's goodness. 1 Samuel 1.20 So in the course of time, Hannah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel saying, because I asked of the Lord for him. See, it says in the course of time. So I went back and I did some study about what does it really mean. Because the way that I always read it was, she went home, she got pregnant almost the next day, and the next year she had already a son. But we don't really know how long she had to wait. Some people say it was the next year already that she had a son. Some people say it took years and years before she finally had Samuel. No matter which one it is, she still had to go back, and say, you know what, I trust in the goodness of God. Even though in the natural, I have tried and it did not work out. In the natural, I have no reason to hope, but I believe in the goodness of God. But I believe that God can do something good in my life. And I believe she had to hold on to that conviction and that confession in her life no matter how long she had to wait maybe it was days maybe weeks or months or maybe even years but she held on to the goodness of God and she saw a breakthrough eventually I want you to know hold on a little bit longer to the goodness of God hold on a little bit longer and say God you have a good plan you have a future for me that is good because that is the promise of God. That is the way we can take for our life and say, even though I have to go through this season, I know that eventually God will come through, that things will start to change, that things will start to become a lot better than what they are right now. We have to choose to hold on and believe for a better future. Hold on to the goodness of God. Amen? You know what? I think it was two weeks ago. We had cell group. So we went for cell group in Kumar's house and he shared his testimony that he came to a point in his career where he was thinking, you know what? I don't know how much longer I can be in the position that I am. He is uh, doing maintenance for helicopters. So he said it was on his heart to teach the younger generation But so he was just thinking. The next thing is, I'm not sure how long, you have to ask him for more details. But a a former work colleague approached him and said, why don't you come and work in our company? And not only that, you will have the chance to teach. Exactly what was on his mind, the, the direction that he thought he wanted to take his career. God opened a door with him, without him even going and looking for it. God sees the desires of your heart. God knows what is on your heart. And I believe that he is faithful. I know that he can open up a door for you. That he is good. That he wants to provide. That he is an awesome God. Amen. Another one is Eddie. Also at the back here. Eddie was, I believe it was a few months ago. His working contract came to an end. He said, you know what? I have to find a new contract, have to get work. So he started to pray. Now I just talked to him two weeks ago. He said, now he has three offers. Now it's not only that he has work. Now he can choose what he wants to do. Amen. God is good. Amen. Another one, Brother Arul. He was sharing in cell group. He wanted to come to church on a Sunday morning, the first week that we open up. But when he opened up my Jadra. All of a sudden, it said that he was a high-risk group. So he said, okay, I cannot come to church. He was supposed to go on a work trip. I'm not sure where to, but he was supposed, Miri. He was supposed to go on a work trip to Miri. So because it was red, he canceled the trip. And then he found out later on that it actually was a glitch in the system that not only him, but other people accidentally it showed high risk. Actually, he wasn't. So the next day, it went back to his lowest status so he could actually go. But he already canceled his working trip to Miri. So when the uh, time approached, he was a little bit upset about it, of course, because he wanted to go. He couldn't. But then he called up his working colleague in Miri. And then the working colleague told him, Good thing you didn't come because the driver who was driving us around tested positive for COVID. So in, the, in his own way, God protected him. It was upsetting at a time. He had to change his plans. But overall, God had his hand above him. God was leading him, even though at that time he didn't really understood why. But God was leading him every step of the way. And I want you to know, and that are, those are examples that happen right here in the house of God, people that we know. And I'm sure that more of you have testimonies that you could share. But God is good, amen? God can do something miraculous in your life. So we have to start to proclaim good things and believe in the goodness of God. If God can do, can do it for Eddie, Arul and Kuma, God can do it for your life. Amen? It's not something to see like, I oh, yeah, those guys. Um. No, it's for you to be encouraged. Not to be jealous, but to be encouraged. To say, you know what? My God is a good God. My God can do something miraculous in my life. Amen. Let the praise team come this morning. We're going to respond to God in prayer. Amen.